Welcome to Unhackable, a podcast with hosts Jen Wheaton and Sarah Mays. Candid and unbridled conversations about contemporary experiences like addiction, relationships, technology, and modern day spirituality, all explored through a heartfelt exchange of ideas and the alchemy of friendship. No topic is off limits, yet all are treated with care, compassion, curiosity, and courage. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thanks for showing up into our space on this glorious and even challenging full moon. <laughs> it is proving as such. It is. And we have a lunar eclipse happening Woo! as well. And it's a super moon, so the moon's really close. Yes. Yeah. So what better day to record? Yeah, that's how, how we roll. It's new moon, full moon, best time to record, best time to release. The podcast as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. On and the same page there. A, a great time for us to spend some time together and, and chat about some things that, that matter to us. Yay. So we're going to jump in um, our topic today. We've talked about this a little bit with one another and even just in passing conversations. And it's a, a topic that's dear to me because I think it gets overlooked sometimes and it's using our experiences as currency. Mm. And when I say currency, I, I mean it in terms of an, an exchange methodology or an exchange vehicle, the way that we use money as a currency. And not that there's anything wrong with a currency. I think it's actually kind of a vital way to ensure that people from different experiences are agreeing upon the value of something. Mm-hmm. And how do we form an equitable exchange and an agreed upon exchange? That's what a currency is designed for. Yet when an emotional exchange is happening or a, uh, like a friendship exchange of any kind uh, or a relational exchange is happening and the assumption is that this is not a transaction, this is a conversation, or this is not a transaction, this is an open forum for vulnerability, and one or both parties jump in and start using emotions, words, experiences as currency, it changes the dynamics quite mm. dramatically. And it really leaves us vulnerable to miscommunication and misunderstandings it that's really what it comes down to and um where it fits into our idea of being unhackable is misunderstandings are one of the main ways that our emotions get hacked when Mm -hmm. we misunderstand what somebody is meaning about something that there's that another is saying or an assumption gets made about what the dynamics are in a relationship And when one thinks one way and another thinks another way and there is no agreed upon common ground, the emotions get hacked. Mm -hmm. And then then we end up in a a spiral of right and wrong or guilt or shame. And it's really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of time spent on trying to dig ourselves out of a hole (laughs) rather than living forward Mm -hmm. and living outward Mm -hmm. and and living from a place of authenticity well I love this 
word currency. Um, when Jen proposed this topic for the podcast, it's actually something I'd never heard referred to in this way. Hmm. That, you know, currency to me has always just been money or trade, you know, trade services, trades. Um, but that it really did give a voice to some of the ways in which, um, you know, even people approach us in our businesses or in other ways um, that sometimes just feels a little off, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, and my inability to really articulate why, you know, so this idea of, you know, what are we using or, um, you know, ourselves, us, Jen and I, or have we had used against us? in yep. this way um, and just to give it shine some light into it you know like that that this may be something that either you're doing or we're doing we're humans like you Absolutely. know <laughs> that we're fallible we we will you know sometimes be conscious sometimes unconscious about certain behaviors and um, again this is just a I, I find this quite fascinating so we yeah. have about five different currencies right did we come up with five I I, I think the list could be endless, to be totally honest, <laughs> yes. but um, the ones that have probably struck a nerve with us, mm -hmm. and as you said, Sarah, it's not, please understand, first of all, bringing up this topic is, like Sarah said, it is to shed light on something that doesn't get spoken about all that much, and it's to shed light into a space where many of us have been uncomfortable, but we didn't know why right. we were uncomfortable. Yes. And we have had conversations about this, and I, I don't know if it's something that I have said to you, but it, it, even with other friends where I've said, oh, that's, that's using, let's use one of the topics, fragility is currency. And they went, oh, mm -hmm. that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that's been done mm -hmm. and how it's, how it strikes a nerve and where it strikes a nerve and that, that matters. And once again, this is not about shaming anybody for being fragile. Fragility is a thing. Yeah. It can be a point of connection. It can be a point where there is a current of affection between people, but it's not designed to be a currency. One cannot by their way out of or into a particular favor or outcome with their fragility. Mm -hmm. You cannot buy status with your fragility, though many try. And quite honestly, the damsel in distress has been a narrative that has been shared over, well, my entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. I, I assume going back even before that. And I have seen it used in that way. That is fragility as currency. And what has been bought with that is somebody scooping somebody up and saving them, and now they're riding off into the sunset. I mean, that's oh, like Pretty Woman. That's the <laughs> that's the fairy tale narrative, right? Right. Um, that and it's painful. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable, and I think it's done a lot of harm. Mm -hmm. And as a mother of of a an emergent woman, mm -hmm. I so respect any fragility that my daughter has, 
though I will not allow her to use fragility as a currency for anything. Your fragility is there as a point of healing. It's a starting point. But it is not designed to buy your way out of responsibility, um, buy your way into the favor of others, um, to hold back criticism <laughs> mm -hmm. at some point, and that can happen, or to hold off disc the discomfort of the fragility itself. Yes. It's because if, if we are using something like fragility as a currency, we are building a house of cards. Mm -hmm. There's no structure, there is no integrity to the foundation mm -hmm. when fragility is being used as a currency. Can I ask you, because I just love the way that you love words and words have such power, mm. how does that differ in your, you know, wisdom? Currency used like in the way that fragility or versus vulnerability, using mm. vulnerability as currency. How are, are those two different? Are you asking about the fragility or the, and the vulnerability or, uh, or the, the word currency itself? No, like the difference between vulnerability, vulnerability and... Or are they, are they interlocked, do you think? Do you think they're kind of like, you know, connected in mm. some way? When, so when we're in a state of fragility, mm -hmm. that, that means that we are typically, in, in my experience and through observation and my understanding of the word, when something is fragile, it, it is at a breaking point. Yeah. It is at a point that if more pressure is put on at this at this point, there some there will be a breakdown. Mm. There there will be a breakdown. Where vulnerability is a showing of our points of fragility, yet not being in exclusively in the points of fragility. So it's like almost a point in time. So fragility is when you're presently like feeling that way versus vulnerability is sharing when you have felt that way. Is that what I'm hearing? Ooh, that's, that's a really nice way of putting it. Um, well, I mean, we're all vulnerable to something. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's the human condition. Right. Yet we're not always fragile. Mm -hmm. So we are pretty much vulnerable all the time, but we're not fragile all the time. Mm -hmm. And that matters to know the difference. Mm -hmm. So our capacity to recognize when somebody is fragile, including ourselves. Mm. So um, we have no trouble sharing our vulnerabilities with one another. Yeah. That's, that's a given in, in friendship. It's one of the ways that we actually know that we are connected with somebody else is we have a sense of each other's vulnerabilities, shared and not shared. Yet when one of us is in a fragile state and we show that, by showing it, the other person knows not to put pressure on that point, to actually shore it up a little bit, mm -hmm. give some support. Yet when we are using fragility as a currency, um, it's that's the oh, you hurt my feelings, therefore you owe me something. Mm -hmm. That's it being used as a currency. Mm -hmm. as Fragility as a, a state of our humanity is 
my feelings are really hurt right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know with whom I can share this hurt. It feels very different. Oh, it totally does. And it's our human vulnerability that allows us to sit in a space where somebody is feeling fragile. And it almost awakens our capacity to, su- to support another. Because of shared vulnerability, we're able to recognize a fragility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so vulnerability is like a continuum, but like you said, mm-hmm. fragility is a, po- a very specific point in time. Mm-hmm. And what we do in that point in time determines whether we are in that point of exchange a shared current with one another or if that fragility is being used as an actual currency Mm -hmm. and I believe it's important for us to recognize when we're doing one or the other oh for sure I've done it I have too I've used my fragility as a currency Mm -hmm. and oddly enough any any and every time that I have it's never paid off (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. there's never been a payoff Mm -hmm. in fact I have ended up feeling more empty afterwards because my expectation, and it's not really my expectation, it's the hurt part of me's expectation. My expectation of the way that others will step in and complete the exchange, mm-hmm. step in and give something to me. In If I am to be completely honest, nobody will ever be able to meet the expectations that that fragility has when it's being used as a currency. Because the hurt is so deep and it's so lonely. Mm-hmm. That's that's what fragility is. It's a very, very hurt and lonely state. Mm-hmm. And when we use it as a currency, we will never get back what we feel is owed to us. We will never get back in comfort, support, acknowledgement, you name it. We'll never get that back because the depths of our hurt at a point of fragility are are too deep it's it's an endless gaping hole yes that nobody else can fill mm-hmm. yet when we're not using it as a currency when we don't send out the call of expectation of reciprocity or getting paid back for having hurt so much, Mm -hmm. um, we almost automatically start calling to ourselves through the support of others, even through our own strengths that we didn't even know were there, but just the recognition of our point of fragility. We start calling to ourselves those little bits of support that, that do feel like they're filling the hole from the bottom up. Right. Right from the very roots of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. Profound. It's a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. <laughs> it's it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. And you know, even like to kind of dive in a little bit more into the vulnerability piece too, um, you know, referencing like my journey in recovery and, you know, there was like at my five year sobriety milestone, mm-hmm. I created this list, um, 15 things that I've learned in five years sober. Yeah. And I crafted this list. I shared it on social media platforms and I had a crazy vulnerability hangover the uh, next day. Wow. Um, 
yeah, it just felt in some ways that I'd overshared or, you know, just that exposure kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. But there is growth in that kind of vulnerability to me Mm -hmm. because um, that's how you are, are putting yourself out there to be known and seen and understood. However, in early recovery, that same vulnerability or actually perhaps even fragility at that time. Yep. It was like a cape that I wore uh, everywhere I went looking for, like it almost should have said, help me on the back. Do do you have any examples of that? Because I would love to hear them. Sure. Like even going into a meeting and deciding about what I was going to share in that particular meeting, Mm -hmm. regardless of the topic that was actually (laughs) given to us. You know, sometimes there would be a very specific topic, but if I, in my mind, I had decided that I was going to share about my childhood today and see what I could get from other people in terms of recognition or nods or hugs afterwards or whatever, then that was what I was effing gonna share that day you know you just nailed fragility as currency in that story yeah I think that's what I was doing and And carry on I want to hear more but it's interesting how in my own mind you know now that we're exploring this I at the time I was miss I had misconstrued that 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 was not uh me being like it yeah it wasn't me being vulnerable in a way that was healthy Right. It was, you know, it was that whole idea of I was looking to gain something from other people to try to fill myself up. And really what I needed was to be my own healer, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, even the, just when you said that you were crafting what you were going to share Mm -hmm. based on what you thought you would get in return, that's exactly when we know Mm -hmm. that we are using fragility as a currency guilty I was totally guilty of that I mean it didn't always go down that way yes it rarely does right (laughs) yeah you know but sometimes I was like I was a hungry hungry beast for what I thought I needed in that moment and that was my gateway to it yes I am going to get fed in this way from these people if I do this so in a way Mm -hmm. it's really manipulative well and and first of all, you're 100% forgiven. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, the, because he, here's the deal. When we are feeling fragile, we are hardwired to develop a form of protection. Mm-hmm. It is the most basic instinct that we have. So coming from what was probably the roots of vulnerability surfaced the fragilities and as they surfaced the pain of just sitting with those even for a split second can be too much Mm -hmm. it can feel like we're being re-traumatized it feels like the skin is being peeled off it feels like such an intense level of exposure and one of our methods of self-preservation that we developed quite young under similar circumstances when the fragilities were really real, (laughs) when we fully relied on somebody else for our basic survival needs, that's usually where these these mechanisms 
call them manipulations if you want, but when you're that young, it's not a manipulation. It's a, sur- it's a survival mm-hmm. mechanism. Mm-hmm. And when we develop those, that's what's going to show up when we feel that thing again. When we feel that level of fear, that level of exposure, and again, exposure is one of the things that we have to protect ourselves from. So it's very, very natural for us to develop some form of defense mechanism. And the mind will do that by creating a story around what is owed to us. If we, okay, if I'm going to lay all this out here for others, then this is my expectation of what I'm going to get in return. Mm -hmm. And that story becomes a bit of a buffer zone between ourselves and the pain. So, yes, as an adult, we can most certainly say, wow, that's a form of manipulation. And that is correct when we're speaking adult to adult. But the most fragile part of ourselves are very, very young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I want to call on in all of the beautiful people in the world is that if we are walking around in adult bodies and our the the fragile children within us start to show up let's not let them pull out their monopoly money <laughs> and start expecting something in return for it <laughs> so good <laughs> yeah. or you know a pocket of melted chocolate gold coins <laughs> i loved those i did too <laughs> The chocolate was very mediocre. <laughs> yeah, it's so. just the opening, the gold foil oh. is so great. Mm. Yum, yum. And edible. But not real currency. Not real currency. <laughs> not real currency. And when we, can, when we can see it that way, there's, there's an understanding that, okay, the fragility is here, which means I'm operating from a place of my younger self that really needed somebody else to take care of me. In this adult body, that person standing in front of me, that's not their job. Mm-hmm. That's not their responsibility, nor do they even understand the currency that this young one is trying to present. Right. And that's where the miscommunication comes in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, there, there's no reason to feel shame around it. Even though that might be one of the feelings that comes up that triggers some of this is a feeling of shame, which we want to avoid at all costs because that's very uncomfortable. But there is no reason to feel shame of it, shame about it as an adult. There's an understanding of it and a recognition of it that I feel is, first of all, our responsibility as adults, if we, especially if we're raising small children um, and adult children, <laughs> if mm-hmm. we're raising anyone. And as a person walking around in the world, because whether we like it or not, we're teachers. Mm-hmm. We're teaching people who we are. We're teaching people how to treat us. We're teaching people how to treat themselves, depending on, on what our place is in their lives. And one of the best ways for us to show up as adults is to take responsibility for the young one when it shows up in those, in those vulnerable moments and in those fragile moments. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is that they're pulling out as as a means to get something in return, <laughs> as cute as it might be, you know, it's like, oh, Muffin, you can put that back in your pocket. I'm going to look after you, and I, as the adult, am going to engage in this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to hold you right here with me so you can see how it's done. Wonderful. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's so good. Um, can we talk about another currency? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one that I was thinking about that I've used uh, is apology um, Mm. as currency and 
uh, you know, hearkening back to, um, you know, the teacher of recovery, you know, I learned so much about empty apologies Mm. and, you know, whether it's somebody who is struggling with addiction or that, you know, just feels bad about the way they've behaved. I'm sorry's can start being a little bit, um, redundant, you know, Mm. uh, and overused and, um, you know, I really started to understand that it was more about making an amends and the, you know, steps, the 12 steps really talk about, it's not about saying, I'm sorry. We've said a million stories, mm-hmm. you know, and in the, the throes of addiction as right, well, right in the yeah. throes of addiction or even afterwards, you know, just, just hoping that those words will buy us love, will buy us forgiveness, will buy us a whole bunch of things that we can't actually expect with those two words. What we should be doing instead or could be doing instead Mm -hmm. is living into an amends. So the difference between that would be, um, yeah, instead of saying, I'm sorry, Jen, for not showing up to your birthday party because I got loaded and I forgot about it or whatever. That didn't happen, by the way. (laughs) I wouldn't have missed her birthday for (laughs) anything. Um, But it would be, in the future, I plan to never miss one of your birthday parties again because I love you and I value you so much Mm. and then holding yourself accountable to making sure you show up so that's the living amends versus apology as currency so can I ask something about the apologies yes when particularly in those earlier stages of recovery Mm -hmm. when making apologies to others Is there at any point during that apology an expectation of something specific in return? And Mm. how big is the window of what is acceptable (laughs) to the, to the person making the apology? Like what would, what first, what is the expectation? Mm -hmm. Um, Or is there one? Mm -hmm. Because yes, we say, I am saying that I'm sorry. I'm not expecting you to say anything back. We can say those things, but what deep down, what is the expectation? Mm-hmm. And if there is one, and then how much room for variation mm. is there mm-hmm. in what the person is saying back in those earlier stages of recovery? Can you shed some light oh, on that? Oh, wow. That's quite a profound question. Um, I think that, or I feel that over time and I mean of course I'm stories are different based on where they're coming from right Mm -hmm, so this mm -hmm. is very specific to you know early recovery starting to get back into yourself in your spirit do some personal work do some growth yeah right so in that case I hadn't learned you know that was later on in the steps right Mm -hmm, was mm -hmm. this idea and this concept of um, I'm going to try to make a living amends to people versus just saying I'm sorry. Right. So really in early recovery, I was still going around throwing out I'm, I'm sorry's all over the place. And it, it, it just felt hollow because I had said it so many times before. Mm-hmm. The expectation was anything I could get from people. Oh, wow. Anything. I, I mean, you're starving by that point for forgiveness from others. You're starving. So there is some degree of expectation of forgiveness. I think forgiveness is always 
you know, part of it. Because if that person that I love will forgive me for my behavior or for my, you know, misjudgment or whatever, then I can begin the process of, of forgiving myself. How did you know back then? Mm-hmm. And I know this is a little bit unfair and I'm catching you. It's all good. <laughs> Probably off guard here a bit. Fine. But how did you know that somebody did forgive you? Or could you tell? Well, I think that all comes down to intuition, right? Yeah. But when you're dealing with a, a ton of heaviness of shame and guilt, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, it's like body dysmorphia. You have emotional dysmorphia. Yes. So you really don't know anymore up, down, here, there. And even myself, who I consider to be fairly intuitive, yes, I could no longer suss out uh, with whether someone genuinely forgave me or not. As long as you got something. Well, I, it, you know, it was almost just, I, it didn't really matter. I didn't believe any of it anymore because I was just looking at life through a shroud of shame and guilt. Mm. So in fact, it was just, ne- it never fed me in any way whatsoever. I was just throwing out, I'm sorry's and it didn't matter if I saw forgiveness in that person's So eyes. that's almost like emptying your own bank account. Yep. From that place of shame. Yes. And... It just in the hopes that, you know, maybe it'll build back up again. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> hope yeah. and a prayer. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm just curious because sometimes we, if we're using something like an apology as currency, there's an expectation of something specific in return. So mm, it, might, it might be the words of, I forgive you or giving a hug and Mm -hmm. that might even tie into what our love languages are, for instance, or they give us something in return. It it could be things based on, on what happened for us when we were kids, honestly, and playing that out. So I was just curious from that place, like when, and I'm sorry was put out there. Yeah. Totally. I, I, it's so yeah. wonderful to hear that level of honesty that it didn't matter what we were getting what, or what you were getting back in return. As long as you said it, the fact that you were kind of bleeding yourself of your resources was really what it was about. Yay! Yeah, I, that concept of, um, you know, emptying my bank account, that is not something unfamiliar to me that I have done over and over and over again. Mm. And I know you've seen me do that in relationships. Um, you know, it, it is, it is, it is something that, you know, may be something that has a payoff later on. Right. Absolutely. And I think that comes into play in not just in apologies as currency, especially when we kind of bleed out with our apologies mm-hmm. where we're, we're still so riddled in shame or guilt when, apologizing mm-hmm. that there is almost an zero expectation of anything to come back in return. However, it doesn't mean that some part of us, it has not kept track of that so that somewhere else down the line, somewhere in the future, when we're bumping up against something that's really uncomfortable, it's in that moment that we feel that something is owed to us. And doesn't that just set us up for a life of misery? Mm-hmm. Because it may not even be the people that we apologize to that are now being held accountable for filling up our bank account again. Right. It's not very fair. That's is it? so not fair. <laughs> That's so not fair. Yeah. yeah. And it 
it almost seems that that's what happens. There's this domino effect Mm -hmm. in using some of our emotional baggage as currency sometimes or using our techniques as trade (laughs) at times and with you know the again the apologies or even being humbled or humiliated using humility as as a currency so we might be humble in our workplace and then leave the workplace and then go home and then expect nothing but adoration from our family wow. because we bled ourselves out in that way in a different environment. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all witnessed that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've heard this in relationships, you know, like you go out there in the world, you spread your love around, your your best version of yourself, you know, out in public. And then we get, you know, just together the two of us and I'm left with the dredges I'm left with your grumpiness your tiredness your bitchiness your Mm -hmm. you know your you know depleted version of you absolutely and that's where we should be showing up with the you know the brightest and and lightest where with that person that we've chosen to share our bed our hearts with you know how sad is that absolutely yeah and I've even felt this you know this idea that you were sharing around apology as currency and that kind of plays into how I've, I personally have used my competency. Yes. My capabilities as currency. And yet, where my capabilities were being shared, my expectation of payback was actually from people completely outside of that workspace. Mm-hmm. Out of this, outside of the space where those competencies were actually shared. Mm-hmm. So again, best, brightest version, right? Here it is. Yeah, I can teach 35 classes a week. If that's what you're asking of me, of course I can. And then the expectation is not from the group of people that, that benefited from that mm-hmm. to compensate me, which is basically where it belongs because that's the workplace. Right. Yet, wouldn't that be a vulnerable thing for me to tell them what I'm actually worth? Mm-hmm. rather than telling them or setting that price where the currency actually belongs, the expectation goes out to the other people in my life. How come they're not showering me with adoration right now? Mm-hmm. Well, probably because I just spent 15 hours away from them giving the best of me somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's, that would probably, you know. You explain that. Explain that but discrepancy. Couldn't, couldn't this kind of like fall into the overachiever or the person who says, you know what, even in the workplace or at home, it's just going to get done better, faster, uh, more efficiently if I just go and do it. Right. Absolutely. You know, that person that's always filling in the gaps or is, um, you know, doing, doing the job of three different people in their workplace. That's right. You know, that kind of thing. Right. But I mean, I've been that person where I've got, you know, three hats on in my workplace and I tell you what, it festers, it festers as resentment. It festers as I am not, there isn't an, um, energy exchange that I'm comfortable with here. That's right. But that's not the workplace's fault necessarily because nope. I just, I, I took that on. I, I decided that I was going to be the savior, the hero, you know, yep. whatever it happened to be, the martyr, 
and uh, and then so expected. that's what that's what you got paid with. Yes, the self-proclaimed hero or martyr. <laughs> yeah, that's my story. You, you got to call yourself that in my mind. That's yeah. that's the exchange mm-hmm. for doing all of these things, and yet it's completely empty. Yeah, because it's it was being used as a currency, and yet how it was being paid back had no nourishment in it Mm -hmm. that wasn't fulfilling Mm -hmm. we're told that it's supposed to be fulfilling right but it's not Mm -hmm. and to own that that takes us right into that place of vulnerability again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. being able to say to oneself just having the hero hat on isn't enough Mm -hmm. that's humbling yeah and then we have to ask ourselves the question what is enough and then we're right back to our own sense of self and our own sense of worth and our own sense of value. And we don't have anybody else there telling us what that is. Mm-hmm. We're left to our own devices to determine that. And that's a scary place. It can be really scary. So we avoid it. Because being fearful is highly, highly underrated <laughs> in our society <laughs> because based on our last podcast on the hero's journey that is the predominant narrative and there's very very little room to tell the story of that sweet spot of life where we're vulnerable with ourselves and and negotiating with ourselves what our worth might be when somebody else isn't telling us what it is when somebody else isn't determining that Mm mm-hmm and when our currency exchanges aren't working out the way that we thought they were going to. Right. And yeah, I think that's the, the cool thing about exploring this topic is that it's all about energy. Right? Absolutely. Currency is energy. Uh, you know, everything that we're, we're about, we are energy. Like, er, you know, the, the synergy between friends, that's energy, yeah. right? The connection with the earth, there is more energy. Like, it's all, it's, it's not crazy that we would use energy uh, in this way, Absolutely. you know, to try to get other energy. Uh, sure. Yeah. This is not an, yeah, this is not some evil construct. Exactly. I think that's the, the point that I, I'm trying to make is like, you do it. I do it. You know, our friends do it. Uh, and, and yet maybe bringing some consciousness and some light and some spirit to it so that we are not having the opposite effect from what we're trying to procure. Absolutely. So that we are, you know, living into higher states of being instead of dropping into lower vibration. Absolutely. There is nothing wrong with having transactions happen in our life. It's being honest with ourselves and with each other when and where those transactions take place or when we are in a state of fluid exchange where it's not transactionary Mm -hmm. that nobody is setting a price for somebody else unbeknownst to them right and that's not something that i can give you eight simple steps to determining when you're using fragility as currency there's that's not a thing oh i was so excited for that though (laughs) 
like a, a, a magazine Cosmo, uh, you know, quiz or something. I'm sure we could set up a quiz. I mean, <laughs> we do like quizzes. We, we could come up with one, but it's it, we'd end up in that middle zone again, and that's not very exciting or dramatic. So right, yeah, no charge there. <laughs> no, no charge. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's being it is something that we feel out and and being able to tell that we're about to do that thing. I mean, a really common one, and we've discussed this before, is giving compliments as currency. Yes. Doesn't that oh, just almost guilty. make you want to... <laughs> guilty. I've done it. I've done it. Yeah. It's been a way to win friends, win clients, win the likability uh, factor. Be yeah. the popular girl. You yeah. know? That's like, uh, yeah, it's it's friendship 101. I like your earrings. When you don't. <laughs> Genuinely, I do try to like compliment somebody on something that I like. Yes. You know? And sometimes it is genuine. Sometimes yes. it's like, I just want to see that spark them up. I want to yes. see that light them up. But I have noticed that sometimes the compliments are so that you buy said pair of pants, you know, or you sign up for this membership or you, you know, that kind of thing, right? There is that yeah. feeling of if I make you feel good about yourself, you in turn will like me and, and then, and beyond, you know, whatever that means. Well, and here's the thing, when you're in a place where there is an exchange of goods, mm -hmm. that's not unexpected. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I need to say to you is I know that even when you are in a place where it is important that you are selling the items that are on the shelf, because that's your job <laughs> and everybody there knows that that's your job, that the compliments that you do give are, they are genuine, they are real. And sometimes it's important to bring out a compliment, even if you're not feeling it yourself because doing that at that time is part of your job. There's an understanding that's happening there. Mm -hmm. That that's that's a real thing. Um and and know that. Thank you. Know that. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, when we go into exchanges that we assume are friendship exchanges and we are handed a compliment but then not long afterwards there's another ask, hey, um, oh, yes. sign up for my thing, or could you endorse this for me, or whatever, whatever it may be. If when that's happening, then the compliment doesn't feel as sincere. Mm -hmm. And you I, feel that, you know that that's, then there's almost a feeling of, I don't know if the word betrayal is quite, it's, that's a little bit extreme, but you can feel that you've been hacked. Well, I think you need to know if you're either engaging in a budding friendship or at some freaking network marketing <laughs> event. Right. I want to know which one I'm at. Yes. I genuinely want to know that. Yeah. And I mean, if I'm showing up for a networking luncheon, I can pretty much guarantee that most of the compliments that people will share, they, they may be sincere and they'd mm -hmm. be honest, but the fact that we're all in that room handing out our business cards or sharing each other's phone numbers means that that's what we're there for. Right. And that's the nature of how, how we've shown up in this space. So yes, I accept your compliment and, 
but I also don't feel beholden to it either. Mm-hmm. That's that's the other thing. Like I I still don't feel like I I owe anything back just because somebody gave me that compliment, and because that can happen. Mm-hmm. There is this expectation that well I complimented you. What are you going to say about me? If I have nothing to say, this is this leaves me sort of on the outs a little bit because if I have nothing to say because I've first of all I've never tried their product before. Um, I don't know anything about them, and. I can offer curiosity, I can ask questions, but I'm not going to deliver compliments on something that I know nothing about. I can address or acknowledge their courage, um, how they're showing up, but when it comes to the product, I'm, I'm not going to endorse something that I've never tried. Yet sometimes a compliment is delivered in my direction so that I will endorse something that of theirs. And that doesn't that doesn't work for me and I can feel it right that's the thing that that is the thing Mm -hmm. and then my my I will I will not compromise my integrity for that Mm -hmm. I would rather feel guilty about not giving them what they wanted than resent the crap out of them for using my name in that way Mm -hmm. um around something that I knew nothing about or that I didn't in, that I didn't endorse. Mm-hmm. So it's I mean this that's a big area, and and you can see it in, uh, yeah, it's a, that's that's a tough one. And, and you know what? Honestly, that is nobody's fault. Entrepreneurship is is kind of held on a pretty high pedestal. It is, yeah. and there are so many workshops and events and books on this. And the very thing that we're talking about is actually taught. You know, how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> Manipulation 101. Now, <laughs> right? It is. Now, here, but here's the, here's the interesting thing about that. It's a catchy title. It probably wouldn't fly in today's day and age, but because it's been grandfathered in as, as one of these mm-hmm. iconic books when it comes to entrepreneurship and and business leadership and whatnot, and and really just being a person in the world in a lot of ways, um, it's it's there's still some merit, and I would have to say that the essence of it is probably rooted in the qualities of a very influential person that either somebody else observed or they tried to observe themselves, and the eye of that observer, one must understand, is quite limited. What we're trying to put into words sometimes do not have words that can describe it. And nobody can sell a book that says, eh, presence. Well, maybe you have it, maybe you don't. <laughs> That's not a bestseller, Jen? Shocking. Hasn't, hasn't gotten me very far. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, because, and even those words don't really speak the whole truth of it, is, is this is something that is cultivated it is not something that is just constructed on the spot. Mm-hmm. It's something that gets understood over years, over time at a deeper and deeper and deeper level. And it gets understood by showing up in those places of vulnerability with other people and observing, mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. Again, like these are not sexy words, right? Well, it's also about intention, don't you think? Like, like you know, and, and we are 
all very much aware when we're in a room with people, you know, after some time, what is the intention Mm -hmm. behind either compliments or vulnerability or authentic sharing or whatever. Yeah. Right. And again, based on whether it's a party, whether it's a, you know, a business networking uh, event, those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. But it's always, it is a bit of a dance to suss out at the core of things. What is the intention of what the exchange is between these two people, between myself and someone else, if you don't know them well, or even if you do. Yeah. Sometimes, right? Yeah. So we, you know, you can tell when somebody's working the steps of yes. how to win friends and influence people. Like can. we can feel that. Yeah. And that's when we know that it's, that is a, it's being used as a currency mm-hmm. there. And the expectation of something in return might not even be from you specifically. It might be from what the universe owes me mm. <laughs> because I've, I've put all this good out into the world. I've done all of these things. I've shared. I've been vulnerable. I have sung the praises of other people. I've done all the things. Why is this stuff not coming back to me? And that's why I'm always a little bit curious about how broad or wide the vision is when it comes to that understanding of what is actually coming back to you. Because sometimes when we go in with compliments as currency, our fragility as currency, our apologies as currency, our competencies as currency, (laughs) our compensating for the gaps as currency, when we go in in that way, when it is shared or delivered from the place of it being a currency, how we receive back tends to be a limited size window we tend to get a little bit of tunnel vision around it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking from personal experience. And I remember the, when I started recognizing that in myself and rather than asking for a bigger window, what I asked of the universe was when I'm doing that thing, when I'm saying all the right things and I can feel my window of expectation on return start to narrow Give me the grace to recognize it. Nothing more. Mm-hmm. Just give me the grace to recognize when I'm doing that thing. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Because I, I do not want to be a transactional being in this world. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. I have experienced nothing but disappointment when I come from that place. I can do that when I walk into a store, I pick out my strawberries, I pay my $5, whether I resent the crap out of how much they cost or not, or that a couple of them were completely tasteless and another one was rotten, whatever. Like that's, (laughs) you know, that though, that's the risk of those kinds of exchanges, but that's an agreed upon currency for that particular item. That's what happened there. So yes, that's a transactional moment. I do not have to go ultra spiritual on this right now. I can feel gratitude to those strawberries or not. Um, but that's a transactional moment moving into the place of human beingness and into that, that place of being in the current of, of life, feeling a little bit of that buzz and that charge. I want to recognize those moments when, when I'm closing my own windows of expectation of return into these very narrow pathways that kind of handcuffs people Mm -hmm. um, or handcuffs the world that I'm living in even handcuffs nature from time to time like which is completely boundless right I just put all of these limitations around it 
because I became a transactional person for a moment. Mm-hmm. I just asked the universe to, to let me recognize when I'm, when I'm doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And it is remarkable how much the universe, the divine delivered on that promise. And instantaneously, because mm-hmm. I asked. Right. I didn't actually ask for anything in return, just a point of recognition when I'm doing that thing. And the contrast between that, those experiences when I'm shown a broader window, when I'm, shown, when I'm given choice, again, this is what makes us unhackable. Um, it's really easy to hack somebody who feels like they only have one choice. Super easy to get in there and manipulate that space of one choice. When we feel like we have multiple choices, starting with two, <laughs> that's way harder to hack by ourselves and other people, other corporations, others that are designed to be transactional. Let's call them what they are. Those are transactions. This is living. And once those choices begin to open up, um, we become moving targets to that which is trying to hack us. Mm-hmm. 100% we become moving targets. And once we, we, we don't, we, then we don't even see ourselves as targets anymore. We no longer see ourselves as consumers, nor do we see ourselves as being consumable. Because we got out of the transactionary loop for mm-hmm. a little while, starting with our own actions in the world. It's, and how liberating that is, is unfathomable. And which is, that's why, you know, we can't go out and start pointing out other people, are you using your fragility as currency? No, no, recognize it in ourselves first. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it has to start with with our own recognition and our own changed behavior and, yeah. and then also forgiveness when we catch ourselves doing it. Oh. And maybe, you know, five days later, Oh <laughs> no, I did the thing. I did that thing. I did the fragility as currency thing. Yeah. You know, but it's recognition I think is the starting point for anything for change behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that doing this podcast on, on this particular topic is, is illuminating. I love this. Mm. I think it's just fabulous. Well, I really appreciate your stories and your vulnerability because you know we may think it that being in a place of recovery sobriety is limited to to those who have gone through some through a 12-step program or have had used substances in some way but that's that's not the case there are so many instances in our lives where we feel kind of hemmed in by something mm-hmm. where we, we feel ourselves in a place of limited choice mm-hmm. and those very real examples of, you know, those, those apologies that have a sense of emptiness to them that we've all felt that in some way, shape or form. It, you, you certainly have had so many opportunities to work through that. And that's such a gift to the world. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. It it really is. It uh, we need to see the the process, mm-hmm. and you're such a beautiful, brilliant example of of that process working. Well, thank you. I certainly don't claim to be the poster child for any of this, but I do really feel safe to share my experience mm-hmm. of this with you and with our listeners. So. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you. We appreciate you. And we just are so excited that um, you still are, are with us here on this journey. Absolutely. Yeah, this is 
a conversation between friends <laughs> when you're not listening. So yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening in and being a witness to our conversation and our friendship. We hope it sparks in you the courage to bring to the surface your thoughts, ideas, and humanity where they can be lovingly unhacked and authentically shared. You can interact with us on the Facebook page Unhackable and with me, Jen Wheaton, at Jen Wheaton Yogi Coach and me, Sarah Mays, at Tarot by Sarah on Facebook and Instagram. Have a beautifully creative day.